Okay. Red well, button has been hit. Let me kick this off, buddy. Yeah, we're good. The red button has been hit. All right. The, uh, the time has time started. The time has started. Okay, cool. Awesome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Hot Isle. I am one of your co-hosts, Brent Piotti, and with me as always... Brian Carpenter. Good morning, Mr. Carpenter. It's been a while since I talked to you, buddy. How you been? Oh, I've been great, dude. I, uh... I don't know. I've missed you. So why don't we get right to this thing? Because I'm excited. Don't, hey, no, no. I'm excited to tell learn. me. No. <laughs> Just in London, man. What were you doing there? Um, well, I was, you know, of course, I was speaking to customers and, you know, uh, espousing our point of view as, as much as possible. And uh, but really, in, in all honesty, I was um, eating everything London has to offer. You were there for the selfie of you and Big Ben. Yeah, me and me and Big Ben. Me and everything. I took a selfie with everything. The horse guard. Uh, you know, nearly got punched by one of the Buckingham Palace people. Um, so, you know, we're, we're good. I had a great time. You know, that's all there is to it. Well, awesome. You hear some, uh, some laughing in the background. That is our guest. And let's dive into why we are here today. The goal of the show is to discuss how companies, as, as they move more towards the containerized, distributed, and cloud-native applications world with microservice architectures, how they can monitor and analyze millions, billions, and even trillions of data points per day. So with us, we have Patrick Lynn, the Vice President of Products and Marketing at SignalFX. Patrick, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So so first of all, tell us who you are and what you do. I mean, we already know you're Patrick and you're the VP of Products and Marketing, but what do you really do at SignalFX? So SignalFX uh, is a company that's been around for eh, three or four years now. Um, joined them a couple of years ago uh, when they started to have beta customers to work with. So I've largely been uh, in the mode of uh, doing the usual uh, product-related things. Uh, you, you talk to customers, you figure out what they like about your product, uh, where they're headed, um, and you try and shape the, the roadmap uh, alongside that. Um, I also actually am spending a lot of time on the customer operations side, so uh, working with support and um, and customer success uh, to try and uh, make sure that you know uh, not only are we taking care of uh, the customers from a longer term perspective in terms of product delivery, uh, but also in the short term uh, with any issues they might have. Uh, with the SaaS product, the lines are kind of blurred, right? And so um, so it makes uh, it makes a lot of sense to to have those combined. Sure. So cool. Let's, we're going to dig into SignalFX and the product and the, and the offering. Um, what I'd like to kind of understand is just your background and, and how you got here. You know, so, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of startups pop up and kind of want to understand your background and what's driving you to um, to dive into this, this startup world. Yeah, sure. So uh, probably the most pertinent part of my background uh, prior to this is uh, the time I spent at VMware. So uh, I spent about six years there, started um, as uh, the the uh, PM director for ESX uh, uh, way back in the day, uh, which was the uh, the uh, the forerunner to uh, what became known as vSphere. So ended up running uh, the product management and tech marketing teams uh, for uh, vSphere, which was the bulk of uh, VMware's business uh, during those years. Um, I also actually, prior to that, had spent some time um, in a uh, storage uh, automation vendor um, startup, uh, which was uh, acquired by Veritas. And so uh, have been kind of in and around uh, things related to management and monitoring uh, for 
you know, the better part of, I don't know, 10, 10 plus years. Um, and I think that, you know, as I, uh, as I kind of moved on from VMware, spent a little bit of time in companies that were more uh, on the application side, uh, came to realize that, um, you know, there were a lot of changes happening out, out in the environment um, that would necessitate a change uh, in the way things are being uh, monitored and managed, right? And, and I think this is largely true anytime you have a uh, significant platform refresh, right? Like when VMware came in, um, a lot of uh, the, the uh, previous monitoring tools could no longer uh, keep up with it because there was this new layer of abstraction in it that none of them understood, right? So everything has to adapt. Um, new players emerge that are better at um, understanding that environment um, and are not simply retrofitting um, what it is that they've had uh, working for the previous environment into the new one. Um, and it creates an opportunity uh, for new companies to come in and really solve those problems. And so I think it was pretty clear um, looking at you know, all, all these different trends um, and, and all of them kind of come together, right? It's, it's not just the underlying infrastructure with containers becoming um, a more common way to, uh, to, uh, to do things. It's also uh, the, the process of uh, building and releasing code with the, um, you know, the, the agile development, the, the continuous integration, continuous deployment. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's the architectures on the applications. So, you know, as you uh, mentioned before, uh, moving towards cloud native or uh, microservices uh, architectures. Um, it's the the organizations, right, um, that are dealing with these applications. It's no longer, you know, development teams throwing something over the fence uh, to an operations team. Um, it's this DevOps world where the, the developers have a, a lot more responsibility for what's going on. So all those different changes um, really create a pretty different environment uh, for uh, what needs to be monitored and how it needs to be monitored. And so you know that that was sort of the the motivating uh, uh, logic that that led me to uh, uh, SignalFX. And as somebody who's been doing uh, you know monitoring and kind of really understanding um, how to get metrics or how to be able to um, I guess in some form or fashion pay attention to your um, you know your your infrastructure or your components and then ensure that they're performing to what you expect them to perform to or look for anomalies. Do you have some kind of inherent opinions or some, you know, kind of unique viewpoints on uh, what monitoring means to you? Uh, you know, we see things where people bring certain types of focuses on the way that they look at infrastructure and then, the, you know, the product kind of aligns to that. Uh, you know, even just the personalities of Puppet and Chef, uh, you know, show how two different things that almost do the exact same thing can look at an infrastructure differently. So the reason I ask is, do you have some kind of like inherent thought process that says, this is the way I believe you should look at an infrastructure just from a, you know, kind of agnostic point of view. Well, I, I think that uh, the maybe the, the way I would put it is that um, the, the new environment has a certain set of characteristics that are different uh, than before. And so um, I, I think to, to the extent that we have a viewpoint, it's based on an understanding of the differences uh, that are, that are uh, in that environment. Right? So, you know, one of the obvious ones being that um, modern environments tend to be elastic, right? You want to be able to scale up and scale down um, as needed based on, you know, what your application's needs are and what kind of demand is being placed on it. Um, and as a result, you need something which is uh, very dynamic uh, in response and, and uh, able to act um, very much in real time, right? Um, these environments tend to be 
uh, using a pretty wide variety of technologies. Uh, it might be running on um, a public cloud or a private cloud. It, it's uh, likely to be using a bunch of open source components. Um, and so you tend to need uh, visibility across uh, a broad range of things, um, not, not just you know, things that are uh, being provided by, by a single vendor, right? Um, yeah, these environments uh, are, uh, again, very dynamic. And so if you want to be able to uh, alert on things, um, you need things that uh, are going to uh, be uh, really smart uh, about um, uh, how to make sure that the alerting happens in a way that uh, you know, doesn't cause things to uh, you know, get too noisy, right? Uh, if, you, if you look at traditional uh, alerting systems where they go, um, you know, and look at things like health checks. Is this thing up or down? If it's uh, if it's down, let me you know send an event somewhere or send an alert to somebody. Um, you know, in a dynamic environment where things are coming up and down, um, you're going to get a lot of uh, noise, right? A lot of uh, a lot of false positives. And so the thing that you're alerting on has to be smarter about you know is the thing that I'm looking at actually problematic or is that just change uh, that I'm uh, expecting or that I should expect to have happen. Right? <laughs> Go ahead. Did you have more? Yeah, no, no, no. That was it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, you know, very poignant, right? It's, um, you know, something that deletes itself five times a day is uh, no up down is kind of not a thing that you would care about as much as something, you know, the whole uh, pets and uh, you know pets and chickens type thing, where it's like, well, you know, <laughs> just get rid of it right. versus the family pet, and uh, you know, that y'all. I always, by the way, whenever I think about pets, um, I just want everybody to know that I think about like you know, kind of the the cute black lab you know, maybe a little bit of gray on the cheeks. It's been around for a while. And, um, you know, I just, that's what I imagine as the pet. Uh, so you may have your own visual of what the pet is. That's mine, just in case. Well, you and the, 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 the pet has a certain uh, level of loyalty to you as well, right? It's mm -hmm. not, it's not, it's not a unidirectional. So, so you have to kind of, uh, care for it that way. But I think, uh, the, the kinds of environments we're talking about, whether you're talking about them as chickens or, or cows, you know, they're, they're not even individuals really, right? You're, t you're thinking about the herd or the flock. Um, and and you're thinking about what happens in aggregate to them, right? And um, and that's what matters here, right? Yeah, it's it's good news though that uh, none of our infrastructure is a cat because we all know that cats have no loyalty to you, <laughs> right? So uh, you know, it's it, as you do this thing in you know your business, you've come out and you've said, hey, um, there is a problem, and you know clearly you've kind of identified what the problem is as far as modern monitoring and things like that, um, and you know a lot of times it's. You have to look at the space and say, there's other people out here who probably saw the same problem we did. Maybe they're even trying to solve it. And either they haven't solved it fully, they haven't solved it the right way, or nobody exists and we're the first ones here. So from your market's perspective, you know, from you know, even where you started versus where you are today, where did you know, where did signal effects pop up in this story? Did they say there's a couple other people out here who think they've got it and they just they've they've brought too much legacy with them or they don't get it? Where does the market exist for you? Where do you see the problem? And then, you know, how are you solving it or how are you solving it uniquely? Yeah, so I guess, uh, you know, when, when we first got started and, and you know, when we'd have conversations with customers who uh, were, were kind of edging towards the, the kinds of infrastructures and applications that we're talking about, uh, the things that we would typically get compared against were logging uh, vendors. So uh, Splunk, obviously, being the one that would come up most. Uh, and then uh, we'd also hear about uh, APM, uh, app performance uh, management solutions, you know, New Relic, app dynamics, that kind of thing. Um, and, and I think that, you know, at some level there's, 
there's always going to be overlap when you talk about um, the kinds of tools you have and you know what use cases they they solve for you, right? So you know, is it going to help you with understanding the performance of your application, or is it going to help you with understanding uh, what's going wrong in your infrastructure? You know, that's kind of fundamentally what. Uh, monitoring tools do so it's not going to sound very different uh, when you uh, talk about it at that level right um, but I think that when you start digging into what uh, kind of environments those were built for um, and what assumptions you can make uh, about what's going to happen and therefore what kind of technology you build uh, to go and solve it right that's really where I think uh, we were we were quite different right um, and so um, I think if you if you look at logs, logs are obviously extremely useful, right? Um, and, and by the way, this is not a, a statement of these these tools uh, don't have a place. They do. It's just that it's a question of what problems they solve well uh, in this new environment and what problems uh, need some uh, other solution to go and, and solve. Um, and so when you think about logs, you know, they the good news is that uh, a lot of the instrumentation is there because you know someone is shipping some log somewhere. Um, there's a lot of information in them, and so when you have a problem, um, oftentimes you're going to go to a log to go and figure out what actually happened, right? And so that that sort of ultimate uh, troubleshooting um, and uh, you know uh, identification of the root cause of the problem uh, often comes from from that kind of solution, right? Um, you know, similarly uh, or analogously, when you when you're talking about application performance. Uh, a lot of times you're looking at um, how a transaction uh, traces through multiple systems and the, the goal is to find uh, the bottleneck uh, in that transaction so that you can make sure the performance is pretty good. You know, obviously those are problems that still need to be solved um, in, in this environment, um, but what those things uh, aren't doing as well is giving you um, the overview uh, of what's going on in your environment, right, in a real-time way. So if you're, um, if you're in an airplane flying, right, um, you don't want just the black box, right? You need the instrumentation uh, in the cockpit that is showing you, you know, what's my airspeed, what's my altitude, uh, and that kind of stuff. You need to know that uh, in real time, right? And you need to be told when something is um, you know, uh, taking you uh, off course. And so fundamentally, that is uh, the first gap um, that I think we sought to fill uh, was to provide um, this sort of operational uh, uh, dashboard uh, for people, right? Now, uh, the way in which we uh, built the product, um, you know, it sort of assumed that you needed to have things in real time, that you need to be able to uh, be uh, open to receiving data uh, from anywhere, uh, and uh, that not only did you need to look at the raw data coming in, but you also needed to be able to process it in a way uh, that was useful, right? So. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the thing about um, monitoring uh, in the past is that it's always been sort of assumed that the, uh, the differentiation for a particular vendor comes from the instrumentation that they provide, right? So um, I'm, I'm doing good bytecode instrumentation and making that really easy, or I'm the specialist in uh, doing, um, you know, agentless discovery of something, or I've got this great uh, agent that picks up all the information you want um, about NoSQL databases, right? Um, and and the thing about uh, the environment that we're talking about is that, you know, that's that's um, you know all of that has its place, um, but 
um, it's not just the raw information that you want because a lot of times what you want to do is uh, combine different pieces of information that you have or uh, look at the relationship between them uh, or derive some kind of metric based on these raw inputs that you have, right? Um, and so because of that, um, we built in um, a real-time streaming analytics engine uh, which allows you to take the data that comes in and process it um, so that you can uh, see it in uh, the way that you want to. So instead of looking at uh, the raw counts of something, maybe what matters is uh, the rate of change uh, on something, right? Or maybe what matters is the ratio uh, of something. Or, or uh, getting fancier, maybe it's that you need to um, uh, process it in a certain way so that you can find anomalies and figure out, you know, if something is a few standard deviations out from the norm, uh, do I have a problem, right? So uh, putting all these things together, right, being able to um, have uh, the real-time behavior, being able to uh, look at data from a lot of different sources, uh, and then being able to process it um, uh, using these sort of advanced analytics uh, also still in real time, then gives you the ability to do uh, the alerting, uh, which is really the thing that I think um, customers have uh, come to appreciate um, about what SignalFX does. Um, you know, in these other cases, if the data that's coming in um, isn't uh, as real-time, isn't from as diverse a set of sources, um, isn't uh, being transformed to the kind of derived metric that they uh, care about or the composite metric they care about, um, then, you know, you can't get the alert that's meaningful and you um, are going to be woken up um, at all times of night for no apparent reason, right? Cool. So, Patrick, uh, I loved your analogy, by the way, of the the black box is great of you know collecting the data, but having the instrumentation around that enables you to to make decisions kind of in real time. Um, so, real time, different sources, and you can do uh, analytics and dashboarding um, in your environment. Obviously, uh, you know some some really smart investors have given you guys. It looks like about twenty eight million bucks. Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, you know, Mark Andreessen, the software is eating the world guy, uh, believes in in the, in the product so much that uh, him and some other folks have, have have invested again into the company. So, what's that like working with uh, a, a you know investment firm like Andreessen Horowitz? Uh, so Ben Horowitz is the the one from Andreessen Horowitz that's on our board. Um, super super insightful guy, um, and. Um, as a firm, I think you know they they're actually uh, very innovative uh, as well, um, in that uh, they you know have looked at the the process of building startups and realized that um, a lot of times uh, you know there are things that you need as a startup that are hard to do on your own, but if you were doing them for a, a portfolio of companies, uh, you'd get a lot of leverage, right? So we get uh, a lot of benefit out of uh, a variety of things that they do. Uh, for their portfolio companies, uh, things like uh, they've got an executive briefing center, right? Um, you know, at you know back at VMware and at EMC, I, I would go participate in this. Well, you know, you have a group of people who go and bring in um, uh, high-level customers uh, that will come and hear what you're doing, uh, provide you feedback. It's an opportunity to sell, get to know them, build relationships, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, it's obviously a lot harder to do that. Um, as a as a startup of, of uh, our size and maturity, right? Um, but Andreessen Horowitz will do that um, as a firm, and so we're uh, in there, you know, a couple times uh, a week, uh, uh, pitching folks that come through 
you know, uh, CIOs from from uh, this bank or that insurance company, or you know, the the new application uh, team from this retailer or whatever it is, right? And it gets you this access uh, to folks that you wouldn't uh, have otherwise. Absolutely. Well, so you know, they've invested in Skype, Slack, Mesosphere, GitHub, Twitter, some others, all very successful. Do they encourage, um, you know? Uh, cooperation on the back end to ensure, you know, call integration between some of these products? Um, not in a super overt way, right? I mean, I, I think that um, uh, the these kinds of briefings that we do will get us um, an opportunity to, uh, you know, see other members of the portfolio company, right? Because these, uh, these sessions are done where, you know, you might have 20 minutes and, you know, the next 20 minutes might be the, the guy from Mesosphere, next 20 minutes might be the, the guy from PagerDuty. So, you know, you, you sort of naturally do a bit of networking as part of that um, and, and you work together. But I, I think that, um, you know, the, 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 the fact is they, they have uh, investments in certain areas um, and they're not going to be picking companies that are super competitive with one another, right? They're, they're picking companies that are likely to be complementary. Um, and I think they can almost just let nature take its course. Sure. That makes sense. So th- you had the founders, Karthik Ra and Philip Blue. Karthik had a background in VMware similar to yours. And Philip, his, his last role before founding the company uh, was working for Facebook as an engineer. So yeah. different worlds, right? If we think about the world of um, traditional three-tier applications that VMware excels at, and you think of uh, Facebook, who excels in the cloud-native uh, distributed microservices-type applications, yep. um, obviously, you know, it looks like, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but it looks like the SignalFX is focused on this this new world as opposed to the the old traditional world uh, is there is there overlap into the traditional world can you can you still um, um, monitor a, a virtualized environment a uh, you know a a exchange or a uh, oracle or something to that effect in in the signal effects world yeah so we're not uh, biased uh, particularly towards anything that gets monitored, right? Um, I, I think that um, you know our our entire uh, goal had been to provide a platform that would allow you to monitor anything. Um, it just so happens that you know the the kinds of things that um, as a service we're really good at. Um, these are things that are more closely associated with the cloud native uh, kind of application, right? Um, uh, or the, the, the elastic uh, infrastructures that are out there. Um, but I think that uh, at some level, being able to look at things in real time or being able to look at, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, composite metrics, uh, being able to uh, get alerted uh, on something that um, is a, a meaningful pattern uh, rather than something that um, is, you know, some static threshold or, uh, some black box algorithm that uh, a vendor came up with, right? Those are all things that are pretty much applicable to to any environment, right? And, and in fact, we've done some uh, proof of concepts around uh, uh, VMware as well. Um, you know, VMware is not not a static environment, right? Uh, it may not be quite as dynamic um, as as like a containerized environment might be, um, and you know the VMs in in some environments, uh, at least uh, from from my days back at VMware, I would recall that you know uh, in some environments uh, they were very long lived, but there were also people that were uh, spinning them up and spinning them down um, in a way that's not that dissimilar from 
um, the, the containerized world. And, and, you know, when you look at uh, the, the auto scaling that some people do, they're based on, um, you know, VMs on, on uh, EC2, right? So, so, you know, point being that uh, the kind of uh, capability that we bring, um, I believe, is broadly applicable. It's just that the, uh, the tip of the spear, so to speak, is going to be uh, in these more elastic cloud environments. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, go ahead. Did you have something, Brent? No. Okay. Um, so I thought you were giving me my turn, but then you decided to talk anyways. I just wanted to say, okay, cool, because I liked what Patrick said. Yeah, I loved it too. So, uh, you know, the the list of your featured integrations is is vast. And we see a lot of people we've talked to before, uh, you know, the doc, Dockers, Mesos, Cassandra, Kubernetes, all these kind of things. Uh, and again, you know, they all, they all tend to have some of their own uh, monitoring information. We've seen other telemetry type, you know, systems out there, a lot of different things. How do you tell, yeah. how do you explain your value to a customer who say is already using, uh, you know, new relic or they're, you know, they're already leveraging, you know, some of the other things I see you, you kind of like an integration of integrations in certain cases. How do you, mm -hmm. how do you explain to customers your value, um, and, and help them understand that they need this to continue their, their evolution in their, in their monitoring space? Yeah. Well, I, I think that, um, the 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 main thing to keep in mind is that um, you know when you look at all of these different uh, technologies, yes, there is there is monitoring for them that is often provided by uh, a particular vendor, right? Um, but the the fact of the matter is that you know that monitoring tends to be focused on that single component, and it tends to be um, closer to what you know back in the day we would have considered an element manager, right? Uh, and it gives you the uh, sort of a deep dive into that that technology or that component, um, and and what it's not going to be as good at is giving you the the broad overview or help you find how that's related to all the other things that are going on uh, in your environment, right? Um, and so that's really uh, kind of where where we tend to come in um, is hey you know you you may have a, a bunch of point tools for looking at uh, specific parts of your infrastructure or specific parts of your application, uh, but when you're looking to get an overview and when you're looking to uh, be able to alert on patterns across that, um, that's when you need to look for uh, something like signal effects. Um, the other the other area, by the way, that I think um, maybe is not as clear based on this kind of discussion is the fact that uh, while there's a lot of built-in integrations uh, on our page and that, that are necessary for an environment, um, what we found is that a lot of people are uh, using custom metrics, right? And so it's, it's not necessarily something where I can say, okay, I, you know, I installed this uh, agent or I'm hitting this API and I'm picking up this value from whatever Cassandra or Kafka or Elasticsearch or something like that, right? It, it's often going to be the case that, um, you know, they've got some service which is doing something for them. They um, want to track uh, specific characteristics of that service and then be able to relate them to many other services that they've got, right? Um, and so um, that's where the, uh, the ability to handle kind of any metric coming in, the ability to process and the ability to um, alert on it uh, becomes uh, super important, right? Um, and because we, we built ourselves to be able to take in data from kind of any source, uh, it turns out that that um, is something that we see quite a lot uh, in these uh, modern environments. And I, I think when you when you think about um, you know uh, whether you know vendors like uh, New Relic or or App Dynamics, um, the one of the knocks against them has always been that 
um, you know, if you are looking at the data that uh, their agents are bringing in, they're really good at it, right? They give you a certain set of visualizations, uh, they give you a certain set of thresholds that you can alert on and so on, but it's within uh, the bounds of what they allow you to see, right? And if you want to send in something uh, custom on your own, um, then it's not as well suited, right? Uh, and so that tends to be another uh, area uh, for us where, you know, customer says, I, I wanted to look at this specific thing. Um, and it's just easier to do that uh, in SignalFX than through any other platform out there. Did you, did you by any chance do anything bad today? Because I have a feeling someone's coming after you, or was that just the fire? <laughs> uh, that don't don't mind them. They're not going <laughs> to break down the doors or anything. No. Awesome. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah. So cool. So you're you're, you're um, <clears throat> aggregating a whole bunch of different endpoints uh, into some sort of backend. Um, now, do you do you have to go through you know call it uh, for lack of a better term an ETL process? Are you normalizing the data? Is there a backend? Um, you know, called a, a, a database, whether it's uh, a, um, a SQL or NoSQL. Um, what what are you doing with the data, or is it just kind of go in and uh, it, it's 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 native in its native format? Well, pretty much comes in in its native format. We we do uh, primarily deal with time series data. So the the idea being that you know what you want to be able to visualize is. Uh, patterns in uh, history and be able to project forward on things. And so um, we we store data in in that format, right? so the the assumption being that um, you know it's not it's not like uh, a, a regular uh, database, if you will, right? It's specific to storing uh, time series type information. Um, of course, we we do take events as well and overlay those on top of the the time series. Um, but uh, you know, it, it is uh, th that is sort of a, a core assumption, um, and it's just an, uh, an optimization for uh, the kind of data that people want to use in our environment. So now, as we look at uh, the other thing that you mentioned again, you, as you tell people and explain to customers that you have a SaaS model, um, mm -hmm. can you give us a little bit of the understanding of the architecture behind the SaaS model, like? Um, obviously, you've got certain pieces that are uh, in a, you know, a, a hosted experience, yet customers may also have certain pieces that are, uh, you know, on their existing premise, you know, premises and yep. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, how are there are there issues or risks with things like data flow, you know, when they have massive amounts of telemetry data, and you have to be able to help give them real time. Um, are there certain extra, you know, architectural considerations for something in, in that scenario? So go ahead and yeah. you know, kind of answer the first one, and we'll see if we can get to the second one. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I, I guess um, uh, maybe the place to start on that is the, the fact that although we are a, a SaaS service, um, the, the things that are being monitored can live pretty much anywhere, right? What, what you need to be able to do is uh, have a way to send data to our service. Um, and so we, we have customers who are running uh, things on-prem. Uh, they've instrumented those uh, potentially with uh, an agent or uh, yeah, with, uh, you know, instrumentation uh, for the code. Um, and those are just sending to uh, an endpoint that we have out there, uh, REST endpoint. Um, and so as long as it hits our API, uh, we'll take it in, right? And so, uh, you know, that, that part is, uh, is relatively simple and, you know, uh, I, I think most people seem pretty comfortable sending in um, operational data uh, to to a SaaS service. Um, on our end, obviously, we need to be able to uh, scale to whatever it is that they're sending in, and we need to be able to have 
um, this predictable uh, low latency pipeline for processing that information, right? And and so that's that's really kind of the 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 core of of what we've done, which is uh, different uh, from from other folks. Is not only do we uh, have the ability to scale at ingest, right? So you know. Um, uh, Brent, I think up front you were talking about you know millions, billions, trillions. Uh, so the answer is yes, you need to be able to do that uh, in terms of taking the, the data in, right, um, and uh, being able to persist that. But you also need to be able to make sure that um, any charts that are uh, being drawn based on that data are updating as the data comes in. Um, and you have to be able to uh, make sure that any alerts that are going to fire based on that uh, happen in you know a similarly low latency predictable fashion, right? Um, and um, and you have to be able to as part of that deal with um, just the the sort of randomness of of the internet and what that might do uh, to the timeliness of the data on its way in, right? So one of the things that I think um, we spent a bunch of time wrestling with and and have gotten uh, to a very good state um, is the fact that data can sometimes be quote unquote late, right? You know, it might be that it's coming from some server that's really busy because there's some other process that's running on it, um, and by the time you know it may have taken a measurement at you know 12:01, but by the time it sends it out, maybe it's you know 12:05, right? Um, and so. Uh, when you are processing that data on the other end, and let's say you're looking at, you know, whatever, I'm going to take the 95th percentile of this particular metric across a fleet of 100 uh, hosts, say, right? So, um, and let's say the other, uh, you know, 99 uh, were on time, right? Meaning they sent it within a, a second or two of uh, the measurement being taken. So, how do you deal with that data that that's coming in late? Do you ignore it? Uh, do you wait for it for a certain amount of time? Um, uh, yeah, or what, right? And and so uh, the ability to um, adjust to um, the the jitter and the lag of the data as it comes in has been uh, a big part of what we built uh, into the service to to be able to handle this. Because you know when you're dealing with something that's installed inside your data center and it's all on a LAN, you have fewer of those types of problems, right? Yeah, absolutely. So cool. Um, so uh, these distributed models always have this kind of you know, issue. Um, so it's good to hear that you guys have uh, have accounted for that. From a um, from a, I guess from the the software's perspective or the the off the SaaS offering, um, is this a combination of 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 uh, um, in-house developed IP plus uh, open source? Like if we think of you know, for instance, uh, a Splunk, and you can kind of make it yourself with an Elk stack, for instance, right? Elasticsearch, Logstash, and uh, Kibana. Is there some semblance of that in in your world that you've kind of pieced together an open source offering, added some secret sauce, and have kind of wrapped up something that maybe someone could cobble together in if they really wanted to, or just completely completely purely yours? You've developed everything in house. Uh, no, I mean we we obviously do take advantage of uh, some of the open source uh, that is out there. Um, so. Uh, if you go onto our uh, our website and you look at our blog, we've got uh, folks that are uh, experts on Elasticsearch, uh, Kafka, Cassandra, and they're they're talking about the kinds of things that they do with it, right? Um, one of our one of our engineers, um, you know, was just uh, at AWS reInvent and you know got a, a full room listening to uh, how we scale Elasticsearch, right? Um, and so we we do take advantage of these things uh, as part of what we do, but. Uh, there is also uh, a good chunk of it, which is, um, you know, call it secret sauce, right? Sure, that makes sense. Now, um, 
are you guys, if you want to share this, you don't have to, but uh, do you guys uh, host your software as a service uh, um, offering in the public cloud, or is this something that you guys have built out your own uh, private cloud to use? Yeah, we do host it in a public cloud today. Um, I, I think that you know the way we've done it gives us the the, the opportunity to move it uh, somewhere else should we uh, should we choose to do so for business reasons. Uh, but like many other companies uh, uh, that have gotten started in the last you know five years, um, you know the the appeal of being able to pay as you go uh, is pretty pretty big. <laughs> And, Very cool. Yeah, and as as people do things like um, you know look at this, and you're you know you're out there, especially in your case where you're kind of out there educating customers and uh, making them understand your point of view. Uh, I'm sure you get a lot of a you know you get kind of common objections. You know, people will say, "Well, you know, I kind of already have that," or maybe I don't need this. Um, what do you see as kind of like the you know your customers' status quo of like what they expect when they come in? Um, versus what they leave with, uh, you know, like where, how do you help them overcome their, their kind of default nature of objecting and saying, this sounds like I could already do this or, you know, I don't need this or those kind of things. I mean, I, I think in some ways the, the biggest objection is just a, it, it comes from a question of how, um, how ready they feel for it. Right. Because I, I think that, you know, if I, if I think back to, uh, you know, my VMware days, we, we focused a lot on just getting the, the platform in there. And then uh, only later did we start to talk about operationalizing, right? And, and when you start to think about uh, security, backup, monitoring, right? And the list kind of goes on. And, and I, I think there's a similar thing that's happened uh, when it comes to um, cloud infrastructure and cloud native applications is that, you know, there's, there's a certain amount which is just, I got to get this thing running and I got to get it built. Um, and then once I have that, then I start worrying about the sort of standard operational concerns, right? Um, and, and so I think that, um, you know, if it had been uh, two years ago, uh, I would say that, you know, we would run into a good number of, um, especially enterprise customers who were um, either just dipping their toe into using uh, cloud or uh, just doing kind of more of a lift and shift thing, right? Where they're saying, okay, I'm gonna take some of these workloads and I'm going to use the cloud for DR, or I'm going to run some of them, um, you know, uh, unmolested in the cloud, right? Um, and it's only more recently, I, I think, that um, uh, you know you can go into more of a mainstream um, enterprise and hear them talk about um, the the new applications that they're developing that are taking advantage of uh, all these different things that are uh, available to them now, right? Um, and and so I think that 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 has been probably the the primary objection is just hey, uh, you know, what you're talking about sounds great, and I, I believe the theory that I'm going to need it, but I don't need it right this second, right? Um, but that's become much less true uh, during the course of this year. Yeah, so I read that blog um, that your guy did when he was at AWS reInvent, and, you know, some of the companies he talked about specifically were like, you know, the Nikes and the Yelps of the world that are using uh, microservices with, a, you know, 100 or 250 or more microservices in an application. Um, and then if I look at some of the customers you have, it looks like Yelp, Kayak, Zenefits, and, and HubSpot, all, you know, software, either software as a service or or, or just, uh, you know, web applications. Um, is there a scale or, yeah, is there a scale uh, or size of company or maturity model that lends itself more to needing a signal effects versus, you know, some somebody else that's just kind of maybe dabbling. Where where in the spectrum do do people uh, 
engage with SignalFX? Yeah, well, I think that you know when when you talk about that that class of customers, clearly uh, those are folks that are uh, reasonably far along in um, you know not just the the kind of application that we're talking about, but also many of them had been using uh, open source versions of uh, metrics uh, based monitoring tools before, right? So uh, graphite being uh, the the most common one uh, that that people have been using. Uh, and I think that uh, there's certainly a generation of companies out there that, uh, cut their teeth on graphite that um, actually probably built their own internal projects on top of graphite, right? And then at some point realized that, um, you know, sort of a standard build versus buy question, right? I can either uh, devote an engineer or two or four uh, to uh, maintaining uh, this open source project uh, that we've uh, spun out, um, or uh, we can buy it from uh, a vendor that has um, a, you know, a large and, and skilled team uh, building this thing uh, full time. Right. Uh, and so there's certainly a class of customers that are like that. But I, I wouldn't say that those are uh, the the only types of customers that we deal with. Right. I, I think that um, we've seen a, a lot of interest uh, from um, uh, you know, larger financial services companies, uh, uh, retail, manufacturing. Um, and, and so I, I, I think that. Um, you know, it's sort of similar to any newer technology, right? You, you find uh, earlier adopters in tech, media, telco, uh, financial services, maybe pharma, right? And, and I don't think it's that, that different uh, in our case. Um, you know, we're, we're certainly seeing um, that kind of use. And it's really uh, when, they, um, uh, when they have something where uh, they've actually got that effort going for real, right? Where it's not just a, we'd like to get there someday uh, sort of thing, but it's a, I've, you know, I've carved off um, this, uh, this team as uh, labs or the uh, innovation team or whatever it is, those folks uh, realize that they need to be able to see what's going on. Um, and they don't have to be um, super large scale uh, in order for that to be of interest. And so uh, selfishly, since you brought it up, you, you know, you kind of mentioned the concept of uh, building and people who focus their energy there versus buying. Uh, and the mm -hmm. value proposition of kind of getting something that's turnkey and and maintained for them. Are there when you talk to those people, especially somebody who may have already built something, um, who you're trying to convince now maybe that you, know, you made something pretty good, and frankly, you probably got the right talent on staff to be able to maintain it. But buying is still value, uh, you know, of of value to you. How do you kind of give them that education? What what kind of things do you teach them that makes them understand that? Um, in this case, consuming turnkey might be of better benefit to them. Sure. Well, I think a lot of it uh, just actually goes back to uh, the the capabilities that we've built in, right? So, uh, on the surface, things can look similar when you say, "Oh, hey, um, I give you the ability to uh, receive data from whatever source. I give the ability to do some analytics on it and construct a dashboard, right?" And fundamentally, that's kind of what you know, uh, a graphite is good at, right? Um, but, you know, the, there's a, maybe a couple of different things to, to point out. The, the first and, and perhaps most important one um, goes back to what I was saying earlier around having a pre predictable low latency pipeline uh, for taking that data in and being able to uh, not store it, but also process it and uh, potentially alert off of it, right? Um, uh, in the in the uh, the world where people are using graphite, what you most commonly see is, is that they are actually using it only for visualization 
Um, and when it comes to, uh, hey, do I have a problem and what's going to tell me, they've often still uh, been making use of things like Nagios or, or Sensu or that, that variety of thing where um, it's looking at relatively simplistic data um, and giving you the kind of uh, noisier alerts uh, that, that we were talking about uh, at the top of the hour. Um, and so the, the idea of being able to not just uh, take that data in, but also use um, that very high fidelity uh, um, uh, data in order to drive your alerts uh, is something that they're not able to do uh, with uh, their, their systems today, right? Um, the, the second thing that uh, I, I thought uh, uh, was interesting in, in talking to some of these other customers was that while they, they did have uh, people that, you know, had good skill sets on the engineering side, um, were able to do uh, development around um, a sort of metrics platform, um, you know, there's a, there's a uh, question of just how how much uh, that company is willing to invest in it relative to us, right? So, um, you know, they may have uh, a small team of skilled engineers doing stuff. It's still not the same as a, a vendor. So just in terms of the pace of feature development, um, you know, I was counting uh, the, the other day, uh, we have this uh, what's new feature inside our product. And every time we have a customer visible thing uh, that we've developed, we put it in there, right? And uh, I was counting, we had like 100 features over the course of the last year uh, get added, right? And, and um, you know, they just sort of, uh, I think, goes to show uh, the, the kind of uh, uh, platform and team that we've built that allows us to iterate on things very quickly and to innovate very quickly. Um, and I think most folks uh, don't believe that they're going to be able to keep up with uh, that kind of pace. Right? And, and they, they value the, the things that we're delivering in there uh, a lot. So, yeah, and you mentioned, you mentioned that you're actually able to kind of iterate and add new features faster. Um, is there also kind of a practical, uh, just the idea of if they've got multiple different systems from different vendors integrated, and then one of them releases a new feature, the, uh, the uplift for them to be able to continue that integration with that new feature versus your uplift is probably also uh, much more significant. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, uh, you know, at some level, maybe what, what you're talking about is that, you know, there's, there's work that uh, they can do that is, um, uh, how would I think about it? it? It's sort of like the the heavy lifting that um, end users might not appreciate, but you just have to do in order to keep a system up to date, right? Um, and that that's our that's a good part of our business, right? Is hey, you know, there's a new version of whatever, you know, Docker or or Cassandra, or whatever, and so we're going to make sure that we can pull in uh, their kind of data uh, as a result of that. Um, and, you know, if you are um, inside one of these, uh, you know, uh, mid or large size web or SaaS companies, um, you know, doing it on your own, um, there's not a lot of not a lot of leverage, I guess. So along the, the build versus buy kind of continuum, um, who's who's actually buying? So are you are you bringing this, uh, you know, I mean. Innately, I'd say developers and operators are tinkerers, and they love building their own things. Um, so you have to have, you know, prove that that this product's going to work. But at the end of the day, who who's really pushing this? Is it is it a bottom up type of approach, or are you focused more from a from a, a management perspective that that is buying off on this idea and say, guys, stop building this on your own, and and we'll we'll give you this this tool right here. Yeah, I think it, it varies a little bit. I, I think that, uh, you know, if you are in, in an environment where uh, they've been running it for a while, um, then, 
it probably comes from um, uh, more, you know, the the managerial staff who are saying, hey, how do I want to allocate my resources, right? Um, do I want to have these uh, skilled developers working on on this, or do I want them uh, building something that's revenue bearing for me, right? Um, and so, so for the build versus buy, you definitely have that that kind of conversation. I think that when it comes to um, making use of uh, uh, something like Signal Effects, we do often also see a bottoms up um, uh, adoption pattern, which is uh, based on you know people going, hey, I've I've developed this thing now, I want to get some visibility into it. You know, what are my options for uh, for doing that? Um, and and they will you know go and search for something that does uh, monitoring for you know whatever that that they're doing you know maybe they've stood up Kubernetes or maybe um, they've got uh, they've taken Elasticsearch and uh, want to make it part of a platform for new applications they're developing so they'll go and look for that um, and they'll you know they will find and uh, and uh, engage with us through uh, more of a bottoms up hey I'm gonna do a free free trial on this kind of thing and and check it out and see what I can get out of it. Um, when it comes to the alerting um, side of things, that, that's where I, I think that we we tend to uh, deal more with the uh, the director or VP level, primarily because I think uh, folks at that level are concerned about um, the their their teams and um, you know the ability of those teams to um, uh, not just sort of make sure that the application or the infrastructure is up, but to to be you know productive, happy employees, right? And there's nothing that um, pisses people off more than being woken up in the middle of the night for no apparent reason. Something that's important um, that will only wakes you up when you actually need to. That's something that uh, appeals a lot to to that level because they're they're concerned about employee retention uh, at the end of the day. Okay, so you talked about um, you know, developers and the operation side, and you know there's the, the the monitoring versus the alerting. And um, is there is there an idea of where you want to initially uh, target for signal effects? Is it the development side or is it the operation side? And maybe even within the development side, are there differences between you know maybe front end and back end or something like that? Yeah, I, I think we've we've tended to find that uh, when you talk about monitoring, um, that it's more often the case that operations people um, are uh, are inclined to to respond, right? And and so you know most most organizations of a certain size uh, will have some kind of ops team uh, in them, right? And and so those are the folks who are going to be uh, looking for these things. You you may also find. Uh, uh, tools teams that are out there looking uh, looking for something that they're going to provide to uh, a bunch of you know divisions or uh, teams BUs whatever it is uh, inside their overall organization. Um, developers um, do also get started uh, with with our stuff. You know, as, uh, as I was saying before, the the bottoms up motion is often um, uh, more developer driven. Um, I don't know that there's any specific pattern of you know uh, one class of developer or not. It, it's going to be the people who are working with these technologies for which uh, they don't necessarily have um, an existing um, monitoring tool inside of their company uh, covering it. Um, that you know th those are the folks that are going to uh, uh, you know lean towards uh, something like Signal Effects. Okay, and then so you've got all these different folks and, and they care about different things within the environment. How does um, how, how do you give them each a unique experience, or is there a single dashboard, uh, or are there the ability to have multi-tenancy within an organization to see various things and customize the dashboards? 
Yeah. So this is one of the things that I think SignalFX has done uh, very well, which is to build for um, that kind of distributed team, right? Uh, I think that, you know, at, at the, in, in a lot of organizations, um, you do have uh, operations folks um, who are uh, watching over things, you know, maybe they're the ones that are on call. They might ha have some high-level dashboards that they watch over. Uh, they might have um, things that, uh, you know, have been created for them by their folks to go and uh, uh, start to dig in and, and do some triage and troubleshooting when uh, they get the alert. Um, but, you know, fundamentally, they're looking at a, a certain set of things that uh, uh, is typically more summarized and more important for them. Um, but with signal effects, um, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about uh, custom metrics um, and the ability to handle that, a good part of that is um, that you can um, build the charts, dashboards, um, alerts uh, that you want for yourself, right? Um, and um, uh, you know, we we provide a way for you to do that. Uh, that's very efficient. We provide a way to organize uh, and find uh, those things. That's very simple. Um, and and so um, what what we uh, do find is that um, the kind of uh, uh, organization that uh, has that sort of distributed team uh, prefers uh, the solution that gives them the ability to do those custom charts, dashboards, and so on, rather than everyone must come to this um, initial, um, you know, operation summary, right? That's great. So as you've, you know, you've talked about a lot of these things, um, you know, kind of the best way to do these things and all of those. Uh, and again, I know you're, you're, as a business, you're not prescriptive on what people consume from their, you know, from their monitoring perspective, right? You have a lot of integrations. Like uh, I was massively impressed by the, on your page, all the integrations, um, however, from an architectural perspective, as you look at somebody and you say, hey, these are kind of the, the, the kind of key things you're going to do that will make your experience um, the best possible experience. And this is a bit of a purist type thing, right? So when I say that, it's not, hey, which platforms are you going to consume to run your infrastructure, but rather as you've integrated with SignalFX, uh, leveraging things like, um, you know, maybe you've got a couple of different chat type things and things like that. Is there kind of a, a layer cake of, hey, if you do this, with this, and then you do this, and then you apply these processes, you're going to have a good time. Um, and so I'm curious if you're able to tell somebody kind of that end-to-end -end picture of what the operational process looks like for this, um, in this kind of, you know, purest sense. Um, I think about that. I mean, I, I guess um, there are, when you think about um, uh, the more specialist or element manager type of tool, one of the things that um, they're able to do from a, from a product perspective is not only are they able to uh, specialize in a narrower, uh, more targeted set of um, metrics for them to bring in, but they're also able to optimize the workflow uh, within their product for whatever is required for the particular thing that they've instrumented very well, right? Um, and so there's there's always some some sort of trade-off, I, I think, uh, when you uh, when you are saying, hey, we're able to take in um, metrics of of any kind. Um, but but the reality um, of the matter is that um, I think you know the the way uh, people are operating today, uh, it's more important for them to get um, a broad view across their thing. Um, you know, getting in information from the infrastructure, from the different open source uh, platforms that they're using, and from 
uh, the custom application code that they've written, the ability to have those uh, be um, visualized in the same dashboards, uh, to uh, to be sliced and diced um, using uh, the the data model that we have, the ability to get uh, you know good and timely alerts off of that, and have those go to um, you know the uh, uh, the alert or notification mechanism of their choice. Like you know, I guess at, at some level, what I'm saying is that uh, for us, it's more about um, you know how do we build something that fits the way you want to work, rather than say this is the way you should work. Yeah, and that, that's cool. I was just curious. I mean, we really, from my mind, you know, as I think about things, it's like I see, okay, we've got all these great platforms, um, and frankly, I've got a couple of existing monitoring tools, um, and you know, even things where I've just kind of I'm ingesting tons of logs, but not really getting insights out of them, um, you know. And then maybe I already have Slack in my organization. You know, might you <laughs> might you just kind of tell a customer, hey, look, uh, continue to do what you're doing because we integrate well. Um, continue to leverage your investments on these other uh, kind of logging uh, platforms because we're going to go ahead and put something on top of that that makes it look like you can actually get insights. And then on top mm -hmm. of that, we're going to take those insights and, and inject them in kind of a chat ops experience with Victor Ops or Slack. Uh, and that kind of gives you an end-to-end -end experience of existing platforms, existing monitoring, uh, new insights, and then um, actionable notifications in a proactive manner and something that you're kind of already using. And that's that's where I was, when I saw your integrations, that's what I pictured. And so I was wondering if you guys kind of give people a similar kind of end-to-end -end story to explain to them all the different places where they can kind of leverage these efficiencies. Yes, yeah, certainly. So so I think you actually articulated it very, uh, very well and better better than I did uh, uh, there, right? I, I think that, um, you know, there, there are many, many sources of data. We don't tell you to turn off whatever it was that uh, was taking that data in before. Um, what what we typically say is, you know, send that also uh, to SignalFX, um, and then um, you know what what you can do differently on top of SignalFX is the ability to to analyze uh, slice and dice uh, alert off of that data um, in a way that um, is um, is more timely and um, and uh, better, um, more accurate uh, than than what you had before. Um, and then, you know, have that, uh, you know, when, when there is an issue, have that go to um, the, the tool uh, of your choice, right? And so it will, uh, it is about making sure that, um, you know, there's a uh, additional layer of value that's being provided uh, by us uh, on top of whatever um, existing tooling they've got. So Patrick, um, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about um, monitoring and alerting and trying to identify issues real issues in real time. What about long-term trending? Do you guys have the ability to, to do that as well? And then the second part of that question is, how large are some of these data sets? Um, and then how do you guys charge for that in a SaaS model? Yeah, so uh, absolutely uh, to, to the first question in terms of being able to look at longer-term trends, right? I, I think that um, you know, I, I tend to focus on the real time uh, aspect of it because that's the thing that's really uh, visibly different when you look at uh, our offering, right? You know, the, the chart, if you're sending in the data at one second resolution, our charts are updating uh, as the data ticks in, right? And you see them very, they're very live, uh, unlike uh, older tools where you need to hit a refresh button or something for, for the chart to get redrawn, right? Um, but uh, a good part of what we're doing is taking the data in and storing that. Uh, so that you have uh, the ability to not just go and look back at it, but also to use it 
uh, for things like, um, you know, making sure I've got the right uh, alerting uh, pattern, right? So I'll give an example. One of the things that we, we demoed recently um, at a trade show uh, was uh, the ability to have a, um, a sort of built-in alerting condition where we're looking at multiple weeks worth of data. And uh, uh, essentially the, the situation is as follows. Um, I was talking earlier about how, um, you know, if you, uh, if you are alerting off of something simple like a static threshold, like, hey, if it goes above 70, then I should care about it, or if it goes above 90, you know, the house is burning down, tell me about it. Um, those kinds of things are simplistic in the sense that they don't really account for the way uh, real businesses uh, operate, right? So I might be uh, a lot busier on Mondays because I have a service that people hit on, on Monday mornings. And so it's normal for all of the metrics to be higher uh, than the rest of the week on Mondays, right? So uh, how, do I, how do I set a threshold uh, for that kind of situation? Do I uh, use um, Monday as, uh, as, my, uh, as my benchmark? Um, well, if I do that, then I'm probably um, not sensitive enough for every other day of the week, right? And so fundamentally, you need to be able to um, uh, understand patterns like that, right? There may be cyclical behavior uh, or there, uh, there may be, um, you know, uh, expected uh, behavior for uh, a cluster as a whole. Uh, and you, what you want to do is find when there's a, a, an outlier from that. And so fundamentally, that means I need to be able to define what's normal um, in a more sophisticated way, right? So now coming full circle to your question here about um, uh, looking at historical data, part of what is normal is saying, hey, uh, you know, uh, what did this look like uh, within the same uh, one or five or 10 minute uh, window last week, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Let me take a look at that. Let me throw out the outliers and let me use uh, the you know, aggregate result from that as the threshold that says, uh, hey, this is what normal represents at, th at this point in time, right? So it's just sort of a, a, a more in-depth example of how uh, we take advantage of uh, historical data, right? Um, now, uh, I guess your other question was, uh, are, are we storing that and, and uh, what's our business model uh, or what, uh, how, how do we charge for this? Um, we, we actually uh, do store it um, on, on the back end um, uh, for um, pretty much as long as you want. We, we have certain defaults in terms of uh, how long people store it for. We do find uh, that most of the time people don't care about uh, the older data at fine granularity. And so uh, we will tend to, uh, um, uh, to roll it up uh, or, or summarize it uh, as you go further out in time. Um, in terms of how we, we charge for it, our pricing model uh, today is based on uh, the rate at which data is coming in, right? And, and so, uh, you know, if you have, um, uh, let's say, uh, a server um, and it's sending in, um, you know, 10 metrics um, every, uh, every 10 seconds, then, you know, there's a certain rate at which those data points are coming into us on a, on a permanent basis, right? And so that's how we charge uh, is based on, uh, on that ongoing rate. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think one of Brent's uh, questions was also, you know, tangential to how you store it. How yeah. big are we seeing these data sets, you know, from your, especially your kind of established customers? Is this, uh, I mean, is, is this like a couple of terabytes? Is this, do we get into petabytes? How big are these data sets that we're looking at from a, a larger customer perspective? Uh, you know, the, the funny thing about it is I'm actually not even sure what the answer to that question is, uh, because we are we are counting it uh, internally and we're, we're measuring internally 
uh, pretty much solely on the basis of uh, the the rates, right? So the you know um, billions, uh, many billions um, per day uh, is sort of the the rate uh, at, at which we're taking it in. So. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's, I mean, even billions is pretty astronomical and trillion sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like the scalability is definitely, um, I guess, you know, checkbox on scalability there. Um, yeah. yeah. Go, go ahead. No, I, w I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, that uh, earlier we were talking about uh, why the, the build versus buy uh, decisions might happen. Part of it is also the, that scalability, right? Um, when you're looking at, uh, uh, you know, using open source tools and how far you can go with them. Um, there's often this question of, you know, how far can I scale it and, you know, what do I need to do in order to, to uh, make it, uh, you know, uh, match the number of data points that I'm sending in. Um, and, and so because we've, uh, we've got that problem solved, um, you know, we can make things uh, a lot easier uh, for, for the people that have to operate those, uh, those kinds of systems. Yeah, that is that is awesome. It sounds like uh, a lot of fun things. Every once in a while, we talk to somebody. It makes me wish I was still a customer, so that I could go consume a product and see how well it solves the problem. Um, so you know, maybe I'll call somebody up and see if I can play with their their uh, Signal FX implementation one of these days. So, um, with that being said, we've hit our hour. Uh, is there anything that Brett and I didn't really hit on um, to kind of you know make sure everybody really understands what Signal FX is all about? Well, I think that we've we've gone through um, you know a lot of the the, the highlights uh, of signal effects. I think that uh, to your point about um, seeing it themselves, if people want to try it out, we do offer a free trial. Uh, you just go to signalfx.com, look for the free trial button, um, and we'll we'll get you up and running. Right? We've got we've got an agent that you can download uh, to your you know to your system and you know pick up some metrics and start sending it in. Obviously, that's not going to be. Uh, you know, showing the full glory of what you can do with signal effects because that's, you know, a, a personal sandbox or something. But uh, it is a way of getting started um, and a way of seeing uh, the kind of power uh, that our, uh, our service offers. That's awesome. Uh, the other thing we love to tell listeners is kind of where they might be able to run into you next or find you next. So either yourself or people from signal effects, are you going to be out there at different uh, conferences, conventions, speaking opportunities, any of those kind of things? Yeah, sure. So we are pretty active on uh, the circuit around, um, you know, all of the things that we've been talking about, you know, the, the, the newer data platforms, uh, the newer runtimes, uh, uh, cloud shows of various types. Uh, so we just, I, I think we're done for the year, uh, you know, with, uh, with the reInvent show being the last one. But if you, uh, if you go to any of the, uh, you know, uh, Kafka, Cassandra, Docker, Kubernetes, you know, uh, Mesos, uh, you know, that, that whole list, Velocity, um, all of those uh, will, will be there. Um, and uh, more than happy to uh, uh, go deeper uh, into what we do and, and you know, maybe give a demo. And then uh, socially, what's the best way to get a hold of you? We found at uh, SignalFX on Twitter. Is there a, uh, do you have your own Twitter for you? And then, you know, what about GitHub or blogs or YouTube, any of those kind of things? Yeah, so we do uh, a lot on, on Twitter around signal effects. I think, um, you know, most of our content uh, is coming out uh, on our blog, uh, actually, at this point, um, because we like to uh, go more in-depth uh, on things. Um, uh, there are uh, a variety of videos and such uh, on, on YouTube. Um, you can get to them, you know, simply by going to uh, to our website and, you know, you know find the various links and, and you know, take you all to, to the right places. Well, that was awesome. I know you probably got a busy day, and frankly, it's you know getting 
It's, it smells a lot like the holidays. So, uh, you know, with that in mind, uh, you know, on behalf of the Hot Isle, I am Brian Carpenter. I'm Brent Piatti. And Patrick, we really appreciate your time today. Hey guys, it was a real pleasure.